This is episode number 72 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannert. the Fearless Presentations podcast. I'm Doug Stannert, CEO of the Leaders Institute and Fearless Presentations. And this is the podcast that helps people just like you become confident and poised presenters and speakers. And this is podcast number 72. I'm going to do something a little different um, this week because uh, it was funny. I was teaching a class. It was a public speaking class, a Fearless Presentations class in Houston this week. And they had two separate participants come up to me fairly early in the class, by the way. Uh, they, each one of them came up to me at two um, distinct breaks that, that we had during the, the class. And, and they asked me the same exact question. They said, why do I still get nervous when I speak in front of in front of a group? And and um, and th- by the way, this happens a lot when when folks are kind of going through the class. A lot of times, especially right after the first part, the first three hours or so of, of, a, of a class of a fearless presentations class. We spend a lot of that time helping people reduce that nervousness. And I think sometimes folks think that once we move past that part, that we're no longer going to be covering anything else that helps people reduce nervousness. And, and I think that's what these two guys were were kind of covering, but or were, were the reason they were asking the question. But um, the question, it's just very common. You know, it, it, it happens both during the presentations class and sometimes it even a- happens after the class is over. But if you understand the answer to this question, though, it can it can give you a much better chance of eliminating your public speaking fear for good. And, and so the, let me kind of answer the question in three parts. First, the very first thing that you want to keep in mind is that. A lot of times the things that people do on their own to reduce public speaking nervousness actually cause more causes. Those things actually cause more nervousness. Um, Second, in addition to that, fear of any time, if any type, you know, any any type of fear that you're that you're dealing with. It can be conquered if you both reduce that risk of failure and then in addition to that, have a series of successes in a very short period of time. And then finally, and and this is the way that the fearless presentations class really works. And and it's really I think it's out of the three things, the most important thing to to really answer the question is that every time you're covering a new stage in delivering presentation, that's what we do in the in the fearless presentations class. Every time that we, we focus on one component of, of the presentation, have people master it and then we add something to it. And then we let them master that and then add something to it. And then we let them master that and we add something to it. So every time we're going to a new stage, we're trying something new, which means that in that new stage, there's going to be a little bit more nervousness because it's a little bit more complicated than than the things that we've done in the past. So the process is designed to make participants continually experience higher levels of nervousness, but it also allows them to experience a success at each one of those stages. So let's kind of cover each one of these three areas or these three stages of of, of um, reducing public speaking fear in a little bit more detail. So let's go to the first the first stage, which is that 
many things that we actually do to reduce public speaking fear actually cause that nervousness that, that we're feeling. Uh, a while back, I did an entire podcast on this topic, by the way. So I, I think it was called Seven Presentation Habits That Cause You to Become a More Nervous Speaker. So if, you, if you're if you really interested in this topic, just go back and listen to that podcast. It, it should be, it's it going to be quite a ways back in, in the list, but it's it's got a lot of really good information there. But let me give you a quick summary. Like, for instance, when I start my classes, my goal right away is to help participants break some of those nagging habits that actually cause nervousness. A couple of the the more challenging things that that I see people do is, number one, they'll write out their presentation longhand before they actually deliver it. And in the olden days, you know, we, we did that on paper. Now, now a lot of times folks are kind of doing that with a with a visual aid, a PowerPoint slideshow or something like that. Secondly, they they tend to rely on notes to remember the content. And then thirdly, they try to memorize the entire speech. And those three things, out of all the things that I see people do to help them try to reduce nervousness, those are three things that actually cause the nervousness to to um, to increase Um the, and, and by the way, the, this is these things are very common because most of us have been taught to do these things. And, and so the habits have kind of be, become ingrained over the, the years that we've been speaking. So giving them up can be challenging. So basically, we, we, we don't trust ourselves to be able to get, deliver a presentation without having these what I call what I call crutches. You know, the, the, it's the those crutches that help us walk when we're presenting, I guess, is, is probably the best way to say it. A couple of years ago, one of my friends um, who's a little older than I am was was telling me that he had this really extensive vinyl record collection. And he was telling me that although, you know, he, he doesn't listen to these records very often anymore, um, there's he, he, he basically looked me in the eye and he said, there is really nothing. There's not anything like the detailed sound from those old records. And I got a little nostalgic when he said that, and he was kind of describing the process. Lo and behold, a few months later, I'm at, I'm me and my wife are at a, a local bookstore here in the Dallas Fort Worth area called half price books. I don't know if you guys have these fantastic place to go hang out for a couple of hours anyway, but right at the front of the store was this extensive vinyl record collection. And I got excited because I started thinking about what my friend had, had told me a few months prior to that. So just for fun, I started kind of flipping through them and I found a few that I remember listening to over and over again when I was a kid. You know, the, the, these are like records from the 80s, I guess, is probably the, the for the time frame that most of these were, were in. And and of course, I, and my my wife, who's, you know, kind of come back, she's kind of watching me do this. And, and I kind of pulled a few out and she started getting excited as well, you know, because she, she and I are the same age. So she did the same thing. She was listening to these vinyl records when she was a kid. So um, and it, we. Yeah, I was just kind of doing it for fun until I got up to the the front counter and I noticed that they actually had a record player, a turntable at the front counter that you could buy. And I'm like, holy cow, because the, the records were pretty cheap. You know, the turntable was pretty cheap, you know, for nostalgic purposes. I, I, I went ahead and bought, I don't know, five, six of these vinyl records and the and the uh, the old timey portable turntable and everything and, and lo- loaded them up. And I, I just couldn't wait to get home. So all the way home, I'm kind of thinking about this. When I got home, I set up the, the turntable in the living room and, and I got the whole family kind of gathered around. I gently put the arm on the record, the first record and, and the, the sound started. And after about 30 seconds, my daughter, who is 17 now, she kind of I could see the look on her face was she was absolutely not impressed. And she's she's a Spotify kid, you know, so so she's into the, the digital, so, which, by the way, I am, too, by the way, now. But um, but she uh, all of a sudden it was like the the um, the emperor has no clothes kind of thing where she just kind of looked up and she said, Dad, that sounds horrible. 
And immediately after she said that, the record started skipping, you know, you know, and, and so um, I had to kind of pick up the arm and kind of move it a little bit forward. I just moved it to the next song, by the way. And that song actually skipped as well. And and I, I did that over and over again. And it, it was and, and the quality was just horrible. You know, it was really staticky. It was crackly. It didn't sound anything like the digital stuff that we hear um, in in on uh, Spotify or whatever it is that you listen to now, Rhapsody or whatever. Um, but the, the point is, is that there are a bunch of people out in the world who swear that the crackling and skipping vinyl records is the absolutely only way to listen to music. And these people are delusional They're I mean, vinyl records are, are they're OK, but they're not they're just not they're not fantastic. The reason why these people think that, though, is because they grew up listening to these records. So I think that's and I think that's the same thing that happens to a lot of people who use these tricks to help them feel more comfortable speaking. These techniques, they don't really work, but we've convinced ourselves that they do. And so we, we continue to use them. So in situations where we, we don't have that crutch to rely on, we feel even more uncomfortable. So even though these things, these, these things that we're doing actually make us uncomfortable, we do them because if we don't do it, we're going to feel even more uncomfortable. So, um, so I, I'll give you an example in real life of how this works. So, for instance, if a, if a person gets really nervous, then one of the things that he or she may do is write out the first part of a speech word for word. And folks will actually do this in, in the fearless presentations classes, even though it's expressly the opposite of what we're suggesting that they do. But those things are kind of ingrained, those habits that we've, we've um, done through most of our lives. They, they get ingrained, and so they're really tough to break. So this person will likely practice that speech over and over and over again and then try to memorize at least the first couple of sentences because a lot of times what we think is that if we just get through the first couple of sentences, I, then my nervousness will be reduced and and I'll be okay. And it, and sometimes that happens, by the way, but it's really difficult to to eliminate the, the those types of habits cold turkey. And um, what typically happens in the situation is when the added pressure of memorizing the speech it, uh, happens in the situation, it, 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 it increases the nervousness. They're nervous already. Their nervousness actually increases. So a person's already nervous in the first place. So this is the proverbial, you know, throwing gasoline on the fire. The, the challenge gets compounded because the person is likely to get a lukewarm response from the audience. So he or she will actually increase their nervousness even more. So so basically all those things that we're doing to try to reduce the nervousness is actually compounding the nervousness that we have. So when we continue to rely on these, you know, these crutches that I talked about before, we actually make ourselves more nervous, which makes us more likely to rely on these types of crutches. So it's one of those things that's a, it's a, it's a downward spiral that you can get into if you're not careful. So that, by the way, and that will continue, those habits will continue until you find a better way. So the thing that I see most often in, in my classes anyway, is that when people do some of the simple things that we suggest, and, and by the way, it's very easy for them, even if they, they're kind of resistant to the changes at the beginning of the class, when they start to see other people start having those successes, that's one of the reasons why a class can be very helpful because you start to see other people make those changes and have a, a positive impact. It's much easier now for for the the person that people that were resistant to making that change to to apply that change as well. So their nervousness drops immediately, and basically, it's it's the it, it it's 
it's one of those things that once it happens once, it it can really help in, in the long run anyway. So anyway, so that's the first thing that I see is that a lot of times one of the reasons why folks will kind of ask me, you know, why am I still getting nervous, Doug? You know, one of the reasons why I see that is because they're they're holding on to those crutches that they think are going to help them reduce that nervous nervousness. But in reality, it's it's actually causing the nervousness. So the, the second thing is one that I that I've kind of figured out is that fear is actually reduced after a series of successes. So anytime that you're developing a skill, and this is any type of skill, the more successes that you can string together, the faster you're going to build confidence. And and by the way, for for details about this process, if you go to fearlesspresentations.com at the very top of every page of of the Fearless Presentations website is a link that says fear of public speaking. If you just kind of click that link, it's a very elaborate article that we we wrote that I wrote, I don't know, maybe 10 years or so ago that gives you the basics of of where public speaking fear comes from and really how to conquer it. So if you haven't yet done that, I I would encourage you to, to take a look at that that post. The basics, though, of growing confidence versus growing fear, they're pretty simple and they're pretty straightforward. You know, first, the more risk that's involved in a process, the more nervousness will be present in that learning process. So the more I have a risk of failure or the more there's risk of harm to me, the more nervous I'm going to be. And then secondly, if during the learning process you have a success, your confidence is going to grow. If you have a, a failure, even just a perceived failure, you might have done well, but if you don't think you did well, then your your nervousness is going to grow. So it's either one one or the other is going to happen. Either we're going to get more nervous or we're going to get more confident when we practice. And it depends on what we think happened during that practice. And then finally, the most important thing is that the, the closer the instances of successes are together, the faster and the more that your confidence is going to grow. So it's got to break that down step by step because it, uh, these things are, are pretty important. So if I'm practicing, let's say I'm, I'm doing something totally different than public speaking. Let's say I'm practicing a cooking recipe recipe that I saw on YouTube. Um, I'm, if I'm practicing that recipe and I'm in the safety of my own kitchen and I'm the only one who's going to taste the, the final product, then the risk of danger is pretty low. I mean, unless I'm learning to cook a blowfish or something, you know, something like that. But for the most part, if I'm the only one trying it, there's, there's really no risk of embarrassment. There's really no risk of failure. You know, it's it's just a, it's an experiment, right? So so it's pretty easy. I'm not going to be nervous doing that. However, um, let's say, for instance, that if I'm trying to learn how to skydive, now the risk of failure there, if I make a mistake, is dire. <laughs> so but if I'm trying to learn to skydive and I make a mistake, I could die. So because the, the risk is much higher during that learning process, I'm going to be way, way, way more nervous. So for many people who um, who are practicing public speaking, the, the potential embarrassment of flubbing a speech is is just as dire as the the um, skydiving, right? So that's why many statistics show that it, it as high as ninety percent of the population has some type of presentation fear. It's one of those few things that when you practice it for the first time, you're in front of a, of other people, and so the the risk is is fairly high in that. So that's what, so basically that's how you know where the public speaking fear is actually coming from. But in addition to the risk involved. Our past experiences are, are also very important. So as we develop a new skill, if we have a success, then our confidence is going to grow. And if we have a failure, even just a perceived failure, then we're going to get more nervous. Um, I'll give you an example of this, like something totally unrelated to, to public speaking. When my son Ben, when he was um, when he first started to play Little League Baseball, 
I wanted to help him succeed. So he and I went into the backyard every day for about a month or so, I'm guessing. Yeah, it was it was, it was a pretty extensive time before the season started. And every day we practice hitting. And, and by the way, it didn't take a lot of time. We just spent a few minutes every day, but every day we did it, you know, and, and in the, uh, in the fifth game of that season, the coach came up to me and, and, um, and he, he, what had happened was he had just gotten the mid season statistics for, for the team. And he noticed that anyway, he, he kind of came up to me and said, Hey, do you realize that Ben is batting a thousand? And, and actually I had, you know, cause I, I mean, I knew, I mean, I was kind of keeping it in my head. I just, I just knew that the entire up to that point game five and he hasn't struck out and, and he'd only, he'd walked a couple of times, but he would, but he hadn't gotten out yet. <laughs> he scored almost every time he came in. So he had the highest batting average in the league. So the coach made a real big deal out of it at the, at the next practice and Ben's confidence just soared. Now, and I, and I've thought about that over the last couple of years. And I realized something really important that, when Ben and I were practicing in the backyard, he got to a point where he could hit every single pitch that I threw to him, no matter where I threw it. You know, I mean, I'm not the greatest pitcher, so it didn't matter where I where I threw it to him. He could he could hit it. So when he got into a game, he didn't know any different. He just hit the ball. He'd been doing that for a month, you know, for, you know, every day for for a month. So he got into his first game and and he hit it. And then he got up the second time during that game and he hit it. And they got up the third time in that game and he hit it. You know, so so it was it was it became kind of natural for him. He just that was what was what what he expected. So every time that he had that new success, his confidence grew even more and more and more. And um, but there were other kids that were in the in the game that 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 um that maybe didn't have that that experience to fall back on didn't have that month of just doing batting practice for for the whole month and so if they got up the very first time that they got up to bat if they actually struck out they've got no they've got no background to, to fall back on so in their head they're thinking oh man i'm having a tough time at this right so their confidence actually shrinks so and by the way, this is exactly what what happens to speakers there. They're, if you if you don't have a lot of experience speaking in front of a group and you get up to give a presentation and you have what you perceive to be a really good success. I mean, you just hit it out of the park, you know, so to speak, you know, continue the baseball analogy. Um, then there's a good chance that the very next time that you get up to, to speak, you're going to do really well because that's the only thing that you have to rely on is, Hey, last time I've only been, I've only spoken once and I nailed it. Right. Whereas if, if you, if it, during that same time period, you get up and you strike out now, or, and, and by the way, it doesn't mean that you had to have done anything bad. It's just that when you sit down, if you think you didn't do as well as maybe what other people did, then at that point, your confidence is, is going to shrink. So the, the key thing to keep in mind here is that the, the best way to increase your confidence is to string a series of those successes together, just like what I did with Ben in the in the backyard. You basically you want to to string as many of those successes together so that if something happens and you don't things don't go as well as what you want, you've got more positive things to to kind of fall back on. And I think that's one of the reasons why the the fearless presentations class and other public speaking classes work so well for people. Um, the the in addition to that though, you, you have to string these successes together. In a very short period of time. So if you're developing a new skill, um, but you practice that skill so infrequently that you can't build up any momentum, it takes an enormous amount of time to reduce the nervousness that you feel. So let's say, for instance, that you want to run a marathon and in order to train, you decide to, to run five miles once every six months. 
great training for a marathon. I mean, that would be ridiculous. Nobody would do that. Your chances of success would be unbelievably small. But that's really like the technique that a lot of people use when they're speaking in, in front of a group. They, they, in our heads, we're thinking, okay, I'm just going to avoid public speaking as much as possible over time. And then I'm likely to get better somehow. <laughs> I mean, like that doesn't make any sense, right? It's, it's not a, that's not a really good way to, to conquer your, your nervousness. So one of the reasons why the Fearless Presentations class works so well is that we allow all the participants to really string together a series of successes over a very short period of time in a two-day period of time. If they have eight successes in front of a group, now all of a sudden it becomes a whole lot easier to, um, to perform when they get in front of a, of a, real, of a real audience, right? And so the last thing that we're going to cover in, in the podcast today is we're going to talk about the final step, which is to make the success successive practices more complicated. Now, on occasion, I'll, I'll have people that even come up to me at the end of the fearless presentations class and they'll say something like, well, Doug, you know, I still felt nervous at the end of the class. Is there something wrong with me as if as if something didn't actually work the way it was supposed to? And, and I always tell them, of course not. You know, the technique that we are using in the class is to make. Each successes, successive activity, each additional presentation that they're giving, just a little bit more complicated than the last. So by the time that we finish the second day, the presentation that class members give at the very end of class is way, 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 way more complicated than the first presentation that they give. And in fact, it's it's in a lot of cases, it's a lot more complicated than what most professional speakers may design. So but so in in each the the neat thing about the process that we're using, though, is that every single person that goes through the class is able to get up, deliver that pretty complicated presentation fairly flawlessly. I mean, there might be a few bugaboos along the way, but for the most part, it's it's pretty clean. It's pretty easy for them to deliver. But because it is a more complicated speech, it's that's going to cause some nervousness even at the end at the end of the class. And so when somebody asked me this question at the end of class, I'll typically ask the person, what would have happened if I had assigned that last presentation that they just gave at the very beginning of the class? <laughs> like within a few minutes of starting the class, if I had assigned that one and, and they always give me either one of two answers. The, the first answer that they would that they'll likely give me is they'll say, oh, I would have been terrified. I wouldn't have even done it. And then um, the second answer that I sometimes get is that um, it, there's no way I could have done that yesterday. And that's the one that's more common. It's because it's a it's a more challenging kind of presentation. The fact that they were able to do it without a whole lot of preparation, without a whole lot of coaching is 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 pretty remarkable in a lot of situations. So what a, what a lot of us really fail to realize is that when we dramatically reduce our nervousness, we we still may feel nervousness in the future, just not at the same level as what it was in the past. In, in the past, in fact, um, if we're feeling no nervousness at, all, nervousness at all when we speak, we're most likely not growing. We're not getting better. It's a, it's an important part of the the growth process. So, for example, I often this is an example I often use in class. When if, let's say you're learning to fly an airplane. And if you've never had any training to fly an airplane at all, and on a whim you just jump into a cockpit, you're likely to be terrified because <laughs> it's not going to look anything like your car. And uh, the, the risk of failure or the risk of death is going to be pretty high if you try to take that plane off the ground, if you've had no training whatsoever. However, if you train with a flight instructor for about, I don't know, say 50 hours, I, th I think is kind of normal for, for a lot of private pilots, then your confidence is going to improve dramatically. But even after that 50 hours worth of flight time with the with a flight instructor even though your confidence has improved dramatically 
on that very first solo flight that you're going to have by that very first time you're by yourself. There's no there's no safety net. There's a good chance you're going to be pretty nervous. Right. But not nearly as nervous as you were would have been that first time without any training. Does that make sense? So that's that's kind of what happens to people in the in in our classes as well. So um, once people kind of go through our classes and they apply the skills that they mastered in the class over and over and over, then that nervousness will drop pretty quickly. So so the answer so the answer to the question, so why am I still nervous is is really one of three things is 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 going on. Um, the first thing that could be going on is that you're still relying on the crutches that you are that you're using that and those crutches can actually be causing you to be more nervous. Get rid of those and you'll actually over time reduce your nervousness pretty dramatically. Or number two, it just means that you haven't practiced enough. You haven't had enough successes to rely on so that if something go, does go wrong, you, you're you're feeling more comfortable. Or thirdly, that nervousness might actually be something good. That means that you're you're that's the natural feeling that you get when you're still growing. You're still challenging yourself. And so that nervousness may actually be a good thing. So but whatever the cause of the nervousness is, the solution is still pretty simple. In fact, many of the solutions that that I've talked about here on the podcast are built right into the Fearless Presentations class. So if you're interested in attending one of the classes, just email us at info at Leaders Institute and one of our instructors will, will get back to you with details about a class that's in your area. So thanks a lot for being a part of the Fearless Presentations podcast. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, make sure and do that on iTunes. It's um, We're putting out new content every single week and every single week we're, we're going to be pushing you to, to become a more confident professional speaker. We'll see you next week on the Fearless Presentations podcast. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.